local USCW 3000. We are the union. The union is us. Welcome to our local UFCW 3000 podcast. I'm Michaela, and I'm here with my friend Christina Wood. We are here to discuss all of the things that we wanted to talk about last time, but just didn't quite have enough time to go over. Hello, I'm Christina. And so just to kind of recap what we had talked about last time, we talked about how you became a part of the union, how you ended up learning about the union and what it does. And we left off with the big changes that you helped make happen at Mason General. You helped negotiate some wage increases in between Mm -hmm. contracts. Yes. Right. So it was done before the contract expired. Mid-contract. Mid-contract. Thank you. I knew there was a term for it. So after you did that, you were really on our union's radar and you ended up stepping into a different field. And I think the reason why we both wanted to talk about it more, and correct me if I'm wrong, is because you ended up getting an eye-opening experience on just how much our union reps actually do. Yes. Versus, you know, what we all assume that they do, which listeners, if you haven't figured it out yet, we're all wrong. I would say we all wrong. I, I think we drastically underestimate their workload and yeah. the things that they do. I think a lot of people glamorize what a union rep does. Yeah. Like it might, like they don't do a lot or they appear to not do, you know, because they're essentially at your beck and call. And I hate to say it like that. But it is though. It is. You have a, they have a responsibility to return a call or an email within 24 hours. Which may not sound like much to you, but if you take a step back and you realize how many contracts one individual is Mm -hmm. covering and how many members that they are representing. Um, representing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you take into account how many members they are representing, it's a large number. So, for example, Brandon covers St. Pete's and a few other facilities. Think of how many members we have just at St. Pete's. You're talking hundreds right? Minimally hundreds just from one location. Now throw in other locations. You're in a, gosh, a couple thousand members per each rep. Is that right? Is that math right? Approximately. Um, give or take. Yeah. Let's back up. Okay. So when I stepped into another role, it was, I was offered a position as a union rep for UFCW. And yeah, you pushed it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I did. I totally did. (laughs) But you know, it was, it was a good push and it opened up a lot of like, excuse my French, holy shit moments to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I knew it was going to be a lot. Yes, I knew it was going to take time. But for somebody coming in from membership into a representative role is very difficult. Mm-hmm. Positive side for me that I was the public sector of healthcare rep. So I had roughly 1,400 members 
that I represented. That's a so lot. It's a lot. And I think I had 17 contracts? 22. 22. 22. Yeah, 22. 22 contracts. I will never forget that number. Yeah, roughly. I'm like, I'm picturing the table in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. And it was variations of, you know, registered nurses to certified nursing assistants to respiratory therapists registration lab business office so it was my job really to know where to find the information mm -hmm. okay so under me you have your leadership which is your advanced stewards your bargaining team at each facility or each classification right but what was really difficult going into that role as a union rep was the onboarding was very difficult and then i mean i called you many times crying going i can't do this i can't do this and you're like essentially you told me to suck it up <laughs> In a loving way. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, take a deep breath, take a step back. And instead of looking at, which it is overwhelming, if you take a step back and you look at the whole giant picture of everything mm -hmm. you're doing, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. I was trying to encourage you to just look at one small portion. So it was difficult and you're trying to, you're taking over essentially where one rep ends and you begin. So you're transitioning. Some can do that very well. Like love Brandon to death. And he was the one that I was following and he set me up, but I had so much information coming at me that I had never dealt with before. Yeah. That I didn't know how to use it. Right. The upside, I'm medical. I understood the lingo that I was reading or if somebody called, I understood what they were talking about with shift differentials, seniority and. Yeah. And HC. Yeah. So I understood it. The downside is I didn't know and I don't know what I don't know. And so a lot of it was flying by the seat of my pants and constantly asking questions, which is great, but it felt like 1400 members, they're going to come at you with different things. Yeah. It's very, very eye-opening. It's very, very hard work. Mm -hmm. It's mentally exhausting. And, and for me, it was actually physically exhausting because I was in my car a lot because I have to be at each facility that I represented, mm -hmm. depending on the amount of members, but at least once a month. Yeah, you had to make your rounds and you're driving all over yes. this side of Washington, mm -hmm. right? So you're all the way out in Forks yeah. one day, mm -hmm. I was in up into Olympia the next, and yeah, Shoreline. Shoreline. Mm -hmm. You know, and the experience I got from him was amazing and forever grateful for it. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a short stint. I started in January and I ended up leaving in May. I actually had it in my mind that this doesn't work for me professionally. Well, Professionally, yes, because I grew my knowledge of what a rep does and how can I help a rep but not be a rep was yeah. how I started to really look at the job because it wasn't. I knew in my heart it wasn't for me. Yeah, it wasn't the right fit. Mm -mm. But for those that want to do that, look into your union contract because if they have what's called time loss, mm -hmm. but really it's an apprenticeship, you can leave your job and go be an apprentice rep and look and see if that's something you want to do. And you get paid for it. Right. So, and it's not in every contract, but if that's something you really want to do, I highly recommend it. I wish I would have had that opportunity mm -hmm. and it was presented to me and it is in the Mason General contract, but because we were in crisis staffing, it would have caused more hardship to our department to let me go. The employer has to agree. It's mm -hmm. not something you want. I'm going to invoke this, you know? Right. But, but I highly recommend it for anybody that's thinking about it. Yeah. It's a great way to kind of test it out and you don't have to go into being a union rep. Mm -hmm. You can go into the political area, the bargaining area, the community organizing area. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are so many areas within our union that you can check out and kind of, in a way, test out before you really commit to it. Right. And time loss, for those of you who don't know, time loss means that you still have your job and your position at your facility. It's just on pause. It's on hold. So you're not gaining any more seniority for that time that you're gone. You're not gaining any more vacation time, but you're not losing anything either. It's just, it's straight up on pause while you go work for the union and test something out. And then the union pays you your base salary. 
Yeah, exactly. In all honesty, I'm still not sure and it doesn't work for you. See if you can job shadow your rep. Get right. a hold of your rep. See if it's even a possibility. I'm really big on job shadowing anything. Well, we both are because that is how we learn, right? So in the medical field, the way that we learn and the way that we are trained to do a job is by following and then doing and participating, like doing it together and then eventually going off on our own. But you have a very specific checkoff list that you have to meet and be comfortable with. And you're still closely supervised, right? I mean, you have someone over your shoulder. You always have someone you can ask for help. So it's just a different hands-on learning approach and that's just how we've been trained for how many i mean how many years have you been in the medical field 25 25 so for 25 years that's been your one Mm go-to learning and job training technically right exactly like i said the onboarding was the hardest it was so different and it i understood that it was going to be different and a lot of people were remotely and i kept beginning it's just like working from home and it was so hard for me to explain to somebody i have never worked from home i am in healthcare. That's not an option. Exactly. You know, and so it was hard for me to explain it to somebody who's never done it. Yeah. I I don't know. It was just, it was a learning experience. I'm forever grateful for it. And I highly recommend anybody that wants to do it or Mm -hmm. thinks that it's going to be the best thing for them. Check their contract. See if they can take that apprenticeship approach. Yeah. Because, you know, that might be their niche. That might be, yes, this is where I need to be. Yes, I get it. Yes, yes, yes. And And although you being a rep didn't really work out, that doesn't mean... That you can't go back and try it again oh, at no. a later no. point in time or try a different position, right? Right. Well, and what was I'm also thankful for was when I sat down and I knew I had come to terms with it that this wasn't for me. Um, and the union actually saw that I was struggling and I just couldn't get out of it. I just couldn't get it. That when we had the meeting, I wasn't upset because it was mutual, at least in my eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, it was very amicable. Very fortunate. By the time I left the office, uh, yeah, I was a little upset. But before I even got home, I had my job back at Mason General. Mm -hmm. And I was able to go in as an advanced steward. So now I have the union rep side knowledge on how things work. And I'm using it to an advantage because I've had other people come to me and I know how to read the contract. I know how to interpret the contract. Yeah. So um, I'm hoping that it's taking a little bit of pressure off of Naomi, who's the new rep, but yeah. not overstepping either. But a lot of it is the same questions I got when I was a rep too. So mm-hmm. one of the things I really respect about our union that is so different to me, and I'm sure you probably feel mm-hmm. similarly. I'm used to an environment and working for an employer that if you are let go from a position, you can't come back. And it's because you can't do the job, right? Period. Right. Like mm-hmm. that's it. Unless you're going to a completely different department, in which case that's different. But with the union, they're not like that. They're like, you know what? If this didn't work out, we are sorry. But if you want to try and come back again or do a different position, Mm -hmm. we would love to have you. Like, it's very open and it's very heartwarming and it's very open arms, Mm -hmm. which is just such a different attitude. And it's one of my favorite things about it. And I love that. I love that if you go there and try something out and say, you know what, this isn't for me, or I think I'm actually more interested in this other position that you have available, you have the option to go do that. And they educated me on that and explained how they've had a lot of other members come in and out of the union right? work-wise. And I respect that so much. And I think that is a great thing to look for if you're looking for a new employer. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. And it's a very different environment. Everyone's so supportive and kind mm-hmm. and encouraging and well, patient. Yeah, I mean, like I said, when I did come to terms and we had the meeting, it wasn't, you know, like, you suck, gotta leave. No, it was like, we sat down and we discussed everything and it was, you know, we all are seeing the same thing. And nobody was blindsided. Nobody was, you know... It was nice because it was still a positive experience and it ended in a positive way, which Mm -hmm. isn't an easy thing. 
right? What is something that you wish every member would know or you kind of said that in the back of your head? Like, man, I wish more members knew that our reps did this. Do you know where I'm kind of going with that train of thought? Yeah, I do. One thing I wish that, and most people probably know this, but don't really put it in perspective. You're on the road or you're at the facility um, making contacts Mm -hmm. and on all shifts. So that's day shift, evening shift, night shift. So you... You're one person trying to make, at least saying, hey, I'm here. Yeah. Like when I went up to Forks, I stayed the night. I hit, it was a day shift and I stayed there until four o'clock in the afternoon mm-hmm. in the cafeteria talking to a bunch of people. I think I saw 30 people. Yeah. That's a lot. That is a lot. And signed up many yeah. new members. Um, then I went back to the hotel, crashed and got up and I was there at 1 a.m. in the morning. 1 a.m. Mm-hmm. Talking to night shift. Because I'm a, I'm a night shifter. Night shift always gets left out. So often. So often. And I wish that could change, but unfortunately, I don't think it'll ever change. But that was my biggest goal going into the union rep is recognizing that there is a third shift or a first (laughs) shift, depending on what facility you're at. Right. Trying to reach those who aren't normally reached. And it is a difficult thing. And I get it. Maybe someday our union will get so big, we can have day shift union reps and night shift union reps (laughs) that that just work nights and go out to all the facilities and see the night shifters. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I heard a lot of positive things from other members who work for our union Mm -hmm. who talked about how great it was that you did that and that you went out of your way to try and see night shift and forks like that earned you a lot of respect. Oh, well, that's very yeah. nice. Just, just so that you should know well, that. <laughs> one of my favorite things that I did, and once I figured out what I was supposed to do in it, when you're doing something like an investigatory meeting, you're like, <gasps> it's high pressure. It's, it's intense. high pressure. What am I supposed to do? What do you mean? What do I ask? What? You ask nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you literally ask nothing. You're there to listen. Make sure they stay on track. Trask. Task um, and that they're not piling, which means you know, trying to bring in you're being written up for this or disciplinary action for this. But because we're already here, we're gonna go ahead and just stockpile and throw in new topics uh-huh. and new events, which yeah. had nothing to do with it exactly. And that's called what again? Um, piling, 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 stacking. Okay, just don't. I remember you were telling me you were really nervous about starting in on that part, but to me, it seemed very quickly became comfortable with it. Once you figured it out, it was my favorite thing. Yeah, I would totally do wine gardens. Maybe you could just specialize in just doing that. Yeah, and what I think what really helped me and why I enjoyed it so much is because I would do the meeting, and then after the meeting, obviously we'd have a conversation with the member, just member and I, or if there was something was getting a little heated or things were kind of getting off kilter. I would call caucus, which means there's a pause in the meeting Okay. to regroup with my member. Management has to leave the room. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of regroup. You take your notes. Who said what? The best that you possibly can. But when all was said and done and everybody was kind of, hey, we'll wait to the next the next step, whatever management or whatever. Besides, I got to call our grievance department. Mm-hmm. And kind of triage it with them. You know, this is what I saw when I triaged. It reminded me of SBAR. Essentially, this is who it is. This is what I saw. This is what I heard. This is what I think. Yes. That's exactly what I yeah. So I would always run it down and then be able to go back and forth. And then it would turn into, well, okay, let's see what happens. Or, ooh, I think we actually have agreements. And then they would take it from there mm-hmm. to request more information. I went in as a rep when that started. It used to be the rep's responsibility to do all of that, the wine garden meeting, and request all the information. Jeez. So that's in the last like four years. Yeah. So imagine all of that pressure on one person mm-hmm. to do how many meetings 
for how many members, how many members and still have to follow up with the grievances. And there's a timeline. I was just going to say, and the timeline, the timeline is huge. You cannot miss a timeline. Right. It's very important and it Mm -hmm. falls into legal reasons why. Yes, it's a lot of pressure. And so on top of a lot of work, it's a lot. And that's when we would call and talk every day, you know, Mm -hmm. while we're doing our mutual commutes. And that's when you started filling me in on all of the stuff. And I looked forward to those phone calls so much because (laughs) I was just learning so much more. I was like, oh, cool. What what (laughs) interesting thing did you have happen today that we didn't know that (laughs) our union reps are involved in? It was very eye-opening. As a union rep, it is not nine to five. No, no, it it's is not. not nine to five. Um, we have our work phone. It had to be on by eight thirty uh-huh. or eight a.m. It doesn't matter. Eight eight thirty. Right. <laughs> Log in, and it can't be turned off until five. Okay. Or five thirty. But in the meantime, you've got your emails going off. Mm-hmm. You've got calls you've got to make. You've got timelines you got to double check. You have meetings, sometimes bargaining sessions, uh-huh. wine gardens, new employee yeah, orientations. orientations, and there are so many times where I've contacted my rep past five o'clock and they've yep. answered. Yep, because we had to work. Right. I think the hardest part of a rep is trying to stick to just the 40 hours a week. Yep. Because there's so much to do and that needs to be done. But at the same time, we all need to be able to turn our phones off at some point in the day. Mm -hmm. We all need that rest and that decompression time to really relax and regroup before you have another day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One thing that, I mean, it was really hard for me is working a calendar. Yeah. And I know that may sound weird. But we have a schedule, right? You and I, we go to work. This is what we work for the month. This is it. We go in, we work those days and we're done. Yeah. As a union rep, you get your calendar and you've got to plug in all your MEOs, which is new employee orientations. Okay. Okay. Boom, 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 boom. Well, now you've got to figure out how to plan your site visit Mm -hmm. around all that. When you haven't ever done that, or if you've done it so small amount (laughs) that, and probably didn't even touch it, you just watched somebody do it from afar. You don't have a clue. And I was so scattered. And that was the hardest part to learn as a new rep. Was just organizing. How to make the calendar work for you. That makes sense. Because I mean, yeah, your calendar is flexible. And it's great that you have that flexibility. But at the same time, when you are used to a rigid set schedule, Mm -hmm. having nothing but open flexibility is almost overwhelming. Because it's It's too much. It scared me. It's too much flexibility. It's too much openness. And then you start doubting. Should I be doing something right now? Should I have been doing this? Right. What should I be doing? What am I missing? Because now it seems like there's too much extra time, even though there's not. It's just. No, it was full. (laughs) Yeah, it's packed full. It's just different. Yeah. And so that was, that was a hard one. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. I like being back to my rigid. (laughs) This is what you work. Show up. I get it. (laughs) I mean, initially sitting down to to start this podcast, we had talked about that. You know, what do you want your schedule to look like for when you're recording and to sit down and go, well, what do you mean? Oh, my goodness. Flexibility is cool, but it can be very overwhelming. I find it more overwhelming and mm-hmm. I find it relaxing to have a reset thing of here's your appointment book. These procedures are going to take this amount of time. And if someone wants to schedule a certain procedure we do them on certain days yep. because it's just little slots that you fill in. We're still used to that rigid structure. and Right. There's no variation. There is no variation. Mm-mm. And it is instantly overwhelming to have anything be the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Oh, yeah. I'm very grateful for the opportunity that I had. And I learned a lot and I'm still learning a lot. But I love that people still come to me yeah. and ask me questions and I'm able to answer them confidently which is great. Um, I did get asked to start doing the Neos at Mason. Yeah. 
So that helps the reps out mm-hmm. um, and a steward or an advanced steward, if they're comfortable, they can do it a new employee orientation, which essentially you go there, talk about the union and encourage them to sign up and why. For most people, it's our first introduction to the union. Yeah. And everybody approaches it differently. If yes. you've ever been to a new employee orientation where the union comes in and does their little spiel, sometimes it, it's very analytical. Mm-hmm. depending on who's doing it and what they're trying to bring to the forefront because you get right. a half an hour. Yeah, it's not a lot of time. Uh-uh. No. Uh, like, I know that Brandon liked to bring up a lot of statistics, but not statistics in a boring way. Yeah. Like, you know, we negotiated and we got a wage increase from 1%, which the employer wanted to initiate. You know, we'll give you 1%, mm-hmm. but walked away with an 11% increase. Yeah. He approached it that way, which is great right. because that's how Brandon is. He's very analytical. Oh, yeah. And I I love that about him, by yeah. the way. Um, <laughs> that's why we all get along so much. <laughs> we all think the same. Right. But when I did mine, you kind of have to figure out what your groove is and what... Also, what I think it depends on your location because your location is going to change what's important to that employee. Exactly. For instance, I always went in with a personal approach. Like what I would do summits, NEOs. I tried at Grace Harbor this, but it's very hard at Grace Harbor to do because summits and NEOs are in the morning. Okay. So they would start at eight, but I'd be there at 730 and I'd be in the lobby in my yellow shirt that says UFCW, my black pants, my bright yellow running (laughs) shoes. And I'd stand there and I'd introduce myself to all the people that were coming into the lobby and that I was their union rep and just sit there and literally talk about day-to-day stuff. Yeah. Day-to-day. And I did, you know, introduce the new employees to each other. <laughs> I mean, and then we'd all walk over and then I would go into the union dispute, which was kind of cool because yes, I get a half an hour, but most of the time I had already built that rapport in that 15 minutes in the lobby. Yeah. But also they're going to be more inclined to listen to what you have to say. Right. And I kept it, I mean, our new employee, employee orientation yeah, packet, I kind of went through and said, what, what did I look at when I was signing up? Did I care about the numbers? Not so much. As in raises and stuff. Mine yeah. was how many people do we represent? That was me. Yeah. So on that in that booklet, I think it's on page seven, it shows you who we represent, how many members are. Yeah. And that was huge. And that's how I always started mine. You know, and then I went into why I became a member. And then from there I asked, Have you been a member? What union? What was your experience? Was it good? Was it bad? You know, I didn't they usually infer, you know, gave me that information. I didn't have to ask for it. Yeah. But a lot of people were um, very receptive. Mm-hmm. And because I was public sector, they have the choice to either be a member or not be a member. Um, either way, they're still represented the same. When it comes down to it, it's they don't get a vote. Yes. That's really all it comes down to. <laughs> I've had members, this is funny, at a NEO, they ask about union dues. I, the dues are 1.55% of your gross. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, you need to contact member membership services. Yeah. And one member was sitting there um, filling out an application and I overheard it. I can't believe you're going to do that. It's a lot of money. And... The one that was filling up, she goes, it's 1%. You're not even going to see that. (laughs) I was like, and then you get to, you know, X, Y, Z. I was just like, sometimes the way I approach it was so, you know, on a very personal, professional, this is what we do. This is what we help with. And it kind of ran itself. People started to engage on their own. Nice. So it made it easy. And I just had, you know. You put in the work and you helped create a more relaxed, open environment Mm -hmm. for conversation. Right. And new employee orientations to be successful in the sense of please join our union and understand why it's so important is right. to have that. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that was great. What was part of the difficulties with doing a new employee orientation out of Grace Harbor? What was so different? Um, their new employee orientations are at the end of the day. Right. So everyone's tired. They've watched a million videos. They've oh, talked yeah. to everybody. They filled out a ton of reports. They just want to get out of there and go home. Right. 
So I'll give you a scenario mm-hmm. between two different places. So yeah. at Grace Harbor, I would be there half hour, 45 minutes early because there was a couple times that I'd be there and they've already dismissed uh-huh. their employees. Because HR does not want right. the employees to be unionized. They right. don't want them to sign up. So they try to do all sorts of, in my opinion, shady, shady things mm-hmm. to get to people to opt out. Yeah. And it was, yeah, the, yeah, that was a horrible experience because that was my time mm-hmm. to actually engage. Whether or not they signed up or not, it doesn't matter. They now yeah. have a face. Yeah. It makes it even worse because that employer is bound by law and by legal contract to give our union the opportunity to talk to new employees mm-hmm. coming on board. Yeah. And they do anything to get out of that loop, yeah. to get out of allowing yeah. our union to do that. So, uh, but every other time that I was up there, I'd be sitting in the hallway outside the door mm-hmm. and I'd be there 30, 45 minutes early and I'd have coffee, read a couple emails and I can overhear where they're about done. And I'd look up and there's HR sticking their head out the door to see if I'm even there. Uh-huh. Because if you're not there, there they're going to dismiss you later. And every time that, the first time I did an EO there and they, I heard them say, well, you guys can go now if you feel like it, just turn in your paperwork. And then it stopped. Um, your union is actually here if you decide that you want to stay a little bit longer. <laughs> You know, approach it in a way that's almost daunting to somebody. Yeah. So um, the first time I, that happened, it was a little undermined. I wasn't quite sure how to do it. The second time I approached it, where when they started to dismiss, I stood almost directly in the door. Mm-hmm. And hi, I'm Chris. Good. I'm your union rep. Would you like to stay? Yeah. Cut them off from mm-hmm. dismissing them. Yeah. And dismissing you. Right. <clears throat> so there's that experience that was really difficult. Yes. Okay. And that's an end of the day. Neo. Right. Mason General is also an end of the day need. But literally at 3.30, everybody says, all right, your union's here. And they'll go, okay, per diem. They already know who's eligible, eligible to join the union. Yep. And who should have the opportunity to hear right. all of that. Right. So I'd go in, do my thing. Sherry, who's the educator that does all the new employee orientations. We have a little banter. Mm-hmm. Go back and forth. So, you know. But it's just a, a positive thing. It's different there. Where they were waiting for me. The employer worked with us. You know, hey, your union is going to be here. And it's just two totally different situations. And it's really sad that you get so much pushback. Or I got so much pushback from Grace Harbor. Even just to yeah. visit the site, you would think I was there to interrupt patient care. None of our union reps ever go there with that intent. It's really just to have an opportunity to reach out to our members. And it's very unfortunate that, you know, our members probably aren't aware how difficult the facility makes it for our reps to be able to come in and do that. A lot of people will say, not a lot of people, it's a comment that I've heard from various people that I don't see my rep. And I I get that, but I hope that our members after listening to our I hope that after our members listen to our podcast episodes, they are able to understand that that's not necessarily our rep's fault. And that's not on the rep. It's not because the rep doesn't want to see you and meet you and meet more of you. A lot of it has to do with the facility isn't letting them. They make it difficult for them to be able to come into the facility. They are rude to them when they are at the facility. And there are rules for our reps when they come to a facility. Oh, yeah. right? and what, what are some of the rules just so that? Well, one rule is that we have access to uh, public areas. Okay. So, so just cafeterias. Cafeteria. I can go sit up all day long in the cafeteria if I want. It's a public area. I can't affect or I can't have any effect in patient care. Right. That's common sense. Yeah. We have the right to access our union boards regardless of where they're at now i should change that wording because it's not regardless where they're at they're all supposed to be in the break rooms okay so for instance like at grace harbor Mm -hmm. 
there are second floor, third floor, OB, all of those are locked doors. So you have to be escorted in. Correct. So when I would go there, because there's a history, because I had an industrial injury when I was an employee at Grace Harbor, Mm -hmm. and now I've come back as their rep, I was getting a lot more pushback because of that. And it was harder for me to make contact with the members, the members, the staff, because I'd even go up to the floors and people were like, we didn't know you were here, but there was a flyer, Mm -hmm. you know, but, but where's the flyer? Yeah. Where did it go? Yeah. Who took it down? Or did I even get an administration take down union, unionized flyers before? (laughs) Yeah. It's it's hard. It's really hard to. Just so you know, I put the flyers right back up as soon as they walked away. I did too, because I saw it too when mm-hmm. I was steward there. Um, it, it can be very difficult. And then if you call the reserve a conference room, because COVID, they didn't have their cafeteria open. Right. Yeah, I can stand around in the waiting room, but really that's not comfortable for myself or the members and or any kind of patients that's coming in and out. Mm-hmm. But every time I give ample notice that I'm coming, mm-hmm. that I'd want a conference room, they always put me in the basement. Every time. And to our listeners, the reason why they did that is because zero cell phone service. Yep. And it's out of the way. It's not an area where people walk around. So they, anyone who didn't realize that a union rep was there, but would have known had they walked by, mm-hmm. wouldn't even have that opportunity. And that was a maneuver that they would do to try and again, lessen the opportunity that our reps have with our members. Mm-hmm. It was very frustrating. And they would do that during negotiations too. You couldn't get emails. You had to walk out to do that. And they did it on purpose. And we started, and I say we, I started throwing a fit about it and I started getting angry. I said, this is ridiculous. We shouldn't be down in the basement. There's nothing happening in the conference room upstairs. And when the members of the bargaining team started directly approaching HR and admin saying, we need to be in an actual bedroom, that's when it's finally moved. But we had to push. And the thing is, you shouldn't, on a professional note, to be a decent professional human being, grow up. There's zero reason to do that. Just be amicable. Say, you know what? You have a conference room upstairs on the main floor that would be available for you. Mm -hmm. It's just so aggravating. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I am, and I still, even to this day, if I go in there, I feel intimidated and it's intimidating because it was because of my industrial and the stuff that I had to go through all of that. History. History. It's a big history. It's a huge history. It honestly just made me respect you more. For taking that on. I know you didn't get to pick and choose the contracts that you were given, Mm. but I respected you a lot for doing that. That was hard. And I think some of the members who know you and know the history respected you for that as well. Thank you. Are there any shout outs that you want to give? I think anybody that's a member needs a shout out, period. Because it's a lot of courage. Mm -hmm. And some people don't think so, but it really is. It takes a lot of courage to sign up to be a member of a union. Um, The reps. All the reps. Union reps. It doesn't matter what union. I was in your shoes. I respect your shoes. And I was happy to take the damn things off and chuck them. <laughs> so, but <laughs> I have mad respect for the all the reps. Brandon was huge. He helped me tremendously. Amy Owen, yeah, who was another member or a rep for UFCW 3000. And then Ryan, and I can never remember how to say his last name, but he knows who he is. <laughs> <laughs> Indira, who also, she was our director. She, she was learning too. She it was a new role for her. So it was a positive. And I, there's so many more people that you can't, you know, yeah. name. But, and honestly, the more people that are mem- that sign up to be members, go through the steward training, gives you just that much more confidence, that mm-hmm. much more knowledge. And it helps out our reps. And it also helps out your, your teammates. Yes. A Hugely. lot. And I mean, there's things that you can do as a steward, but you don't have to do everything. You can just be the one that 
helps navigate them. Yeah. yeah. As a steward, you can really pick and choose what you participate in. Mm-hmm. And I usually recommend that everyone does that. Participate in some small way and you will help make a big difference. Huge difference. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you again for agreeing to speak with me on our podcast and Absolutely. especially for sharing that experience, especially with how personal your whole experience has been. Mm-hmm. I respect you a lot for that. Thank you. And I'm very, very appreciative of it. <laughs> I know our listeners are too. And to everyone else, if you have any questions, go to ufcw3000.org. Have a fabulous day and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast.